He's wondering about the. Uh, it's a new look. There's new. I got oh, it. You're oh, ready no. to start. Oh, I no. just thought you might have you might have some trouble with that. Throwing the curveball. Well, it's just a little different font. I'm okay. Oh, okay. I, you know, I, that surprises me. I'm happy for that. Frattle, are we doing this? Yep. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 176, June 13th, 2019. Man, they had a heat wave back in 1956. This is day four of a record on this day. 100 degrees on this day in 1956. And... Uh, 37 degrees in 1969, when there would have been aquaside, but no kid would have gone into the lake because it was too cold. (laughs) And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Coming up in a little more than 20 minutes or so, we'll be talking with Megan Clority and Jack Moore of WTOP in Washington, who have put together a new podcast that debuted this week. You can catch it however you catch podcasts called 22 Hours, An American Nightmare, about a horrific, horrific tragedy in a uh, Washington, D- very exclusive Washington, D.C. suburb back in 2015 when a, uh, when a family and their housekeeper were wiped out. And I just read this morning that that podcast, Rook, is currently number 10 on iTunes. Wow. 10. Right behind the Chernobyl podcast. It doesn't sound uh, very cheerful for Positive Thursday, does it? Well, it doesn't, but it sounds terribly interesting. Yeah. I might even listen to it. How do you like that? (laughs) Now, is is it a one-episode podcast? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. I mean, maybe maybe there's five uh, chapters. I don't know. I, I you looked, know, this podcasting is still kind of new to us. You know, we're trying to figure this out we're here. We're learning as we go. This well, is Positive Thursday. It's really easy to get to. You pull it right up on your podcast app. I did earlier today, the 22 hours. Joe, so I don't know what it. qualifies someone as a great living American and if they have to be passed on. No, it's just anybody over 50. I'd like to nominate my mother who turns 96 today, and I would appreciate it if you would not say happy birthday to her. Her virtues are too numerous to list. Let's just say she raised nine kids and is a gold star mom, Mary Thompson. We're not wishing any birthday Boy. to some 96-year-old lady today. That's not why we're well, here, if, Mary if Thompson. If deserves it, it would be her yeah, if, if we, we did, did that. that. I'm not going to say happy birthday to some sweet 96-year-old lady. Mother of nine. Mother you of nine. You know what nine. she has? Patience. She's got angel's wings and a halo is what she's got, but she ain't got no birthday greetings. Santa Bell Jim alerted me to this. It is a sad fact of life. This is uh, via Bill O'Reilly. It is a sad fact of life in America that if you have to fly someplace, you are absolutely powerless. Your flight could be canceled without warning. It could be delayed for hours. And when you board, chances are your seat will be uncomfortable. I'm not even going to discuss luggage and security lines. A few days ago, 41 fifth-grade students in Tulsa, Oklahoma, arrived at the airport to begin a field trip to Washington, D.C. The kids were beyond excited. Then American Airlines canceled the flight. Sorry, kids, go home. Fortunately, a couple of Delta Airline employees witnessed this and the vast disappointment of the kids. So they called headquarters, and Delta sent a plane just for the students who were able to take the trip. American Airlines, based in nearby Dallas, could not have done or could have done that, but did not. So way to go, Delta. I will remember your kindness the next time I book a flight. I hope you do too. We 
uh, we, the people, should reward good airlines. Maybe that message will improve things. Isn't that positive? Here, here. Isn't that positive? That is That's a, almost unheard of. That's in that. a perfect executive very, decision. Very there. positive. Yes. Very positive. Very. Uh, oh. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. I was one of six people that cut the ice carousel on Square Lake for the lottery spot. I cool. Didn't know, I didn't know that was Square Lake. Uh, one of our early concerns was our giant ice cube getting stuck in its own hole. The circle was 40 feet in diameter. We made a scribe that pivoted in the center to get our first line on the ice. We freehand cut a second one about two inches out from the first. We had two. Man, we had a two-man rotation chainsawing, poking the ice out below the surface and keeping the chainsaws warmed and fueled. We started at uh, sun up January 5th, 2018 at 11 degrees below zero, and by 8.30 a.m. we had that baby moving. We kept the carousel spinning with shovels to keep it from refreezing. Mm. By the end of the day, our two-inch gap had melted uh, to over one foot wide, and the bottom of the circle had melted into a cone shape. I look for, I'm a lifelong Minnesotan turned political refugee in Florida. I look forward to listening to the show every week in perpetual summer. Ryan Smith, Williston, Florida. That is cool. Yeah. Wow, I love our listeners. So, Joe, uh, go back to the very first sentence there. He said that they, he, they were afraid that the square cut... That part confused me. Uh, I was trying to follow along, but I'm, I'm, I confuse easily. Yeah, you're not really. One of our early concerns was that our giant ice cube would get stuck in its own hole. By that, I think he means the giant circle they cut in the ice uh, would have. Uh, Maybe have gone under so it took yeah, on water. Whatever. Or... Oh, I see. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's not confuse That's really cool. Though. I, I, don't, I don't want to confuse I think that. they did a good job on it. Yeah. All right, uh, have you boys uh, originated challenges for me today on Positive Thursday? I think so. I have, and uh, this one I'm really going to be proud of. All right. I'm going to call it up here for you, mm-hmm. and this has to do with a... Uh, there is, was this, a or, council, is there audio? Yes, there's a city council race in Denver, and there was a runoff election. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the ladies that won, Candy uh, DeBaca, she, run a, she won a runoff race last week against the Denver City Council President, Albus Brooks. Uh-huh. And she did it. How she got elected and what she said is really going to surprise you and is so negative mm-hmm. and negative so stupid it. that you are not going to be able to uh, make this a positive at all. Okay, here she is. She, mm-hmm. She's in, uh, talking to a panel. I believe that our current economic system actually works. Um, capitalism by design is extractive and in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. And I think that we're in late phase capitalism and we know it doesn't work and we've got to move into something new. And I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and distribution of those resources. And so whatever that morphs into, I think is what will serve community the best. And I'm excited to usher it in by any means necessary. Now, let me go on to say she was among three candidates that unseated incumbents in the Tuesday runoff preliminary results show, and she's already drawing comparisons to you-know-who, which I will not mention. Oh. 
Uh, bring on the. Uh, what do I get? Do I get a big bottle of uh, Tatters All Bootlegger for this? Is that is she drawing comparisons to occasional cortex? Y- yes, people are because calling. of her. Because again, she's a fairly attractive young woman. Is yes. that and she's a, an idiot. A complete social communist, I guess, is what she's she's looking for: socialism and communism. Truth, justice, and the souchery. Let me just hang on. This is the sound of me. Pat myself on the old back. Nice job, Rook. That was really nice. Nice job. There, there's nothing. I finally got one. You're making me nervous now. Could, are you drawing a positive? Are you? And don't give me the unseated three incumbents. That's positive. That uh, been there for <laughs> 20 years. You win. Wow. I can't. I can't take it. Might I add that that I I don't care to gloat because um, this this win is not sweet because of the material that I had to present to you. So I'm not going to uh, gloat in my in my triumph here because it's a really sorry state of uh, the, the world. The, the people in the salon are getting uh, bolder and bolder. Aren't they, they really are. Yep. Uh, at, uh, she hasn't even hide it. I mean, right? She's a communist. And this is Denver again, where, you know, Denver's, I don't know what the way Denver's going. You know, the hell with Positive Thursday. No! I'm not, not, I'm not going to do it. The hell with it. Y'all going to put it on pause? You win that one. You, you, you got one, Reavers? If this show paused. Yeah, if this show paused. Check it out. We'd have a win. You yeah. mean to tell me. I don't, feel, I don't feel good about my win, though. I really do. This is, uh, this is ugly is what this is. I don't have audio with mine. Is that going to be okay? Yeah. Uh, Downing, frequent contributor, writes, uh, you talked about electric scooters as a safety hazard, but I didn't hear helmets mentioned. It seemed to me that the biggest boosters of these devices are the same crowd that insists everyone wear a bicycle helmet. Where are the scooter helmets? I've never seen a scooter rider wearing a helmet. According to this news story, many injuries to scooter riders could have been prevented if the user was wearing a helmet. And he linked me to a a story. Mm. I smell a class action lawsuit coming because helmets haven't been provided to scooter users. But who will pay? The scooter provider or the taxpayers because the city allowed this? Either way, the lawyers will win. I have nothing positive about that either. Okay. We got a little trend going here. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't like this game anymore. It's not fun to win. It, and it bums you out. It's not fun to win because I feel it's, I feel destroyed. I, I do. It's just you know. Speaking of that, uh, I mentioned makeup. Makeup. Mayor Jacob Fry's tweet yesterday on the program mm-hmm. about how uh, racial equity and climate change go hand in hand, and mm-hmm. he is getting destroyed because of that tweet, including mm-hmm. our guy, the Reverend Tim Christopher. So right. there is there is significant okay, pushback out there. We'll take the pushback. Uh, tomorrow's the day. I'm going to get up to EcoFun. Are you going up uh, there? I'm going to make every effort to get up there tomorrow morning and uh, test drive and pick out my Bentelli e-bike. All you got to do is pick out the color. Mm-hmm. They got it all mm-hmm. set for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I'm Are talking you? about EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. They specialize in quality scooters, mopeds, youth ATVs, youth snowmobiles, and electric bikes are growing in popularity. 
They say, uh, plus, Eco, don't worry about the cylinders. EcoFund sells a full line of Yamaha products. And also, you know what they got right now? Yeah, they got a 2018 is... Yamaha Star Venture Transcontinental Edition. That baby listed at twenty seven grand. It's marked down to twenty one nine nine nine. This is the bike you want to get on if you're going to take off and go to California. <laughs> I'm really worried about you. If you go up there and get sidetracked, you might be walking out of there with that Yamaha. Well, I've, I've always said I'm, I'm no longer willing to, uh, uh, to motorcycle, but that's tempting. That's yeah, tempting. I'm sure. I mean, it's even got reverse. It. Really? Yeah. So it's you can easily maneuver that thing around. But I'm I'm more interested in the e-bikes right yes. now. Uh, five levels of assist, a 20-mile range. And no other store in Minnesota offers an on-the-floor display of electric bikes that compares to what you will see at EcoFun. And at EcoFun, you're not going to pay the crazy prices they charge for e-bikes at shops that exclusively sell Bicycles. Get a fat tire. EcoFunMotorsports.com, right downtown Forest Lake. You can't miss it. Now, it is positive Thursday, isn't it? Yes. We do have to get back to that. A Minnesota police officer is showing that one of the varieties of ways officers assist those they serve is by grabbing a lawnmower. The Orono Police Department posted a photo on social media uh, yesterday showing, I'm sorry, uh, last Thursday, showing Officer Matt Siltala confronting knee-high weeds with a pushmore at a home where he had just conducted a welfare check on the owner, a woman living alone. She was okay, and Matt asked her why her yard is so unkempt, police said. She said she doesn't have anyone to mow for her. He grabbed her mower and cut the front yard. Here, here. Uh, the post attracted many positive comments and offers to assist the woman. We will do some checking and get back to those who have shown interest, police said. The Facebook post accompanying the photo began with the author writing, I cannot say how proud stuff like this makes us. It concluded by saying, but not sure why Officer McCoy, who took the picture, couldn't grab the trimmer, too. <laughs> did you see the Did you see the video? Yeah. I did not see the video. Yeah. She needs to get to frats. Yeah. Time to yeah. upgrade that Let's mower. Go here. Was, it, was it a push mower? <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got to. They're mowers. They're, well, the weeds were up to the guy's knees. Mowers are like they're those uh, Bentelli e-bikes that are just... You know, they're flawless. Officer spots young boy who walked to the store alone for food. Turns out the family is struggling. So the cops stepped in. This is down in Austin, Texas. But this is one of the stories that printed when we were, when we were running out of ink. Well, you are, you are completely dissolving all of the negativity with these last two stories. So we're back on the positive A side. A citizen flagged down Officer Jim Riley of the Austin, Texas Police Department last week and said a young boy was walking by himself in a parking lot. Riley located the boy the department said on its Facebook page and then began learning about a heartbreaking situation. Mm. Turns out the boy walking to a corner store alone to get a snack for a younger sibling. Riley was concerned for the boy's safety, so he gave him a ride home. But after Riley was inside the boy's residence, the officer discovered the family was going through hard financial times. Police on Tuesday uh, said that the children uh, in the residence were alone at the time and the, officer, and the officer contacted a parent. But Riley made sure he talked to the kids about safety and that they should never leave their home without an adult. Then Riley went the extra mile, went to the grocery store, loaded up the cart, bought the food and brought it back to the family. Here, wow. here. Way to go, Blue. Way to go, Blue. See, see, that's why Positive Thursday had to be created because you never hear these kinds of things. No, it's happening. It's happening more often than we know. It doesn't draw the headlines like other stories will. I'm kind of burning through the positivity uh, because I, I, I have a lot of, I got a lot on my mind. Yep. Okay. A 90-year-old Oklahoma woman's life was saved by four neighborhood teens who rescued her from her burning home. The youngsters joined Ainsley Earhart on Fox and Friends Monday to recount the experience. 
Catherine Ritchie was in her bathroom getting ready for bed last month when she noticed the bed's headboard was engulfed in flames. Mm. Ritchie said she tried to put the fire out by throwing blankets and pillows, but the smoke grew so thick that she soon became disoriented uh, and uh, in the home in Sepulpa, where she lived for 58 years. She called 911 and hit her emergency call button, but managed to get only to the hallway before losing her way in the smoke again. That's when the four kids, Dylan Wick, 16, Nick Bird, 14, Seth Bird, 16, and Wyatt Hall, 17, came to her aid. They went across the street when the fire broke out. Seth Bird said he ran to the front door while his brother got in through a back door. Hall ran to a neighbor's house for help, and Wick called 911. Nick said he immediately heard Richie screaming for help when he got inside. I saw her at the end of the hallway, and I just picked her up and took her to Seth at the bottom of the porch steps, he said. None of the boys, nor the woman, suffered any injuries. More positive. Isn't that positive? Yeah, that's very positive. Mm-hmm. You got more? No, I'm gonna, I was going to tell you about this, uh, this, oh. uh, the podcast uh, creators who we're going to be talking to uh, about a podcast called, I have it right here. 22 Hours. Uh, 22 Hours, an American Nightmare. We're going to be talking to Megan Clority and Jack Moore of WTOP in Washington. But it's the story of uh, the Savopoulos family, Savas, Amy, and their son, Philip, as well as their housekeeper, Veralacia Figueroa, who were killed in the Savopoulos home in Washington, D.C. Uh, the victims were held hostage for 19 hours starting on May 13th. Uh, it, it's, it's a dreadful, dreadful story. They, they were tortured. Yes. Their child was tortured. Then the house was burned down. And as near as I can determine from reading about the case, uh, all the all the uh, murderer got, a guy named Darren Wint, was 40 grand. So that it'll be interesting to talk to these uh, people from WTOP to find out uh, the, there's, there's missing information here that I'm terribly curious about. And if you want to find that podcast, it is just Google 22 Hours in American Nightmare. Right now there's two episodes that are currently out, a 22 Hours preview episode and then uh, on April 23rd and then June 9th, The Fire. I'll also link it to uh, the GL social okay. media yeah. channels too. You know what it, it's analogous to? Huh. The the Big Poppy story. In what sense? Well, the, what did the hitman get oh, for yeah. Big Poppy? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm amazed. You can get a hell of a deal on a hitman in the Dominicans. Yeah, Big Bobby was it only cost him seven. Whoever wanted to put the hit, it only cost him seventy eight hundred bucks. And he got bad. He's bad. And that's Big Poppy. Yeah, right. He's think, hard to miss. Do you think Big Poppy should have just turned around and said, "I'll give you eight grand to just leave me alone"? Yeah, right. Here's well, eight. if he had known, of course he would have. <laughs> right. But the coward shot him in the back. Wow. The uh, for who, a lousy seventy eight hundred bucks. I forget. Was it the Post or the Daily Mail that originally had the? Uh, there might be more to this story here with the with the drug lord and New all York that Post. stuff. Yeah. But I, you thought, okay, come on, this can't be real. But then you read the details of all of that. It's, it's well, I guarantee you, there's more to the story. Oh, it was an orchestrated, you know, bit. Well, uh, you know, Poppy's uh, Poppy's got the wandering eye, as a lot of uh, athletes do. Sure, and uh, he might have been tied up with the wrong gal, not not literally, right? Not in a good right. way. Not in a good right. way. And and then uh, again, it's the DR. You can just get one hell of a bargain. Seventy-eight hundred bucks. Is that it? Oh, okay, let's go. Well, you know, times are tough. You know, you got to get what you can get. <laughs> Thank God the guy was a lousy shot. Oh man. Say, uh, want to take a break? Sure. All right. 
Next stop, the 1950s. The Minnesota Street Route Association's Back to the 50s Weekend at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. Fun for the whole family going back to the 50s. Presented by Napa Auto Parts. Join Napa, TwinCities.com, and McGuire's at the largest car show in the nation happening June 21st through the 23rd. Download a complimentary Metro Transit Pass and ride for free. Visit MSRA.com for details. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Suchere. Say, there's still time to contact Big Time Sports Auctions in time for Father's Day. Uh, because they not only set up auctions for your charitable events, but you can buy products from them for gift giving. Beautiful frame prints of athletes, wh- whatever you want. Check out uh, Big Time Sports Auctions with an S.com or call uh, Steve. Call him at 612 718 3629. Big Time Sports Auctions specializes in creating a silent auction for your event. Uh, you know, you got a wine basket, big deal. They'll bring in 10 to 15 prints of Minnesota's favorite sports figures or figures from all around the country or the world. They'll arrange it. They'll create the bidding sheets. They get a portion of the proceeds. You get the rest and take credit for a wonderful, wonderful event. How about that famous picture of Bobby Orr flying horizontally after scoring a winning goal against St. Louis? in the Stanley Cup Finals in 1970. How about we might have some new ones with the uh, new Stanley Cup champion? St. Louis just won its first cup, and this is the kind of thing Steve gets on right away. Call Steve at Big Time Sports Auctions at 612-718-3629. He'll customize your event. Find them at btsauctions with an S dot com. I am pleased to say we're joined by, uh, uh, is it Megan Clority? It is, yes. Hi, Hi, Megan. And Jack Moore? Yep, here. And you guys have put together a podcast called 22 Hours in American Nightmare, and I've been reading about the, the murder of this family. Pronounce their name correctly for me, please. It's the Savopolis family, and then their housekeeper was Vera Figueroa. It's, it's, it's horrific. And among the many questions I have is, was all of that done so that uh, this Wint fellow could get forty grand? That is, I mean, that's what prosecutors were saying. Basically, you know, the, the motive was money and he wanted a lifestyle he didn't have. He was unemployed for a number of years. Actually, the tie here is he used to work for the businessman who um, he took hostage and eventually killed. But he worked from 10 years earlier. So when we were covering this trial, I mean, this, this happened back in 2015. And just to recap quickly, um, it, was, it was seemingly a normal day, you know, May 2015. Mm-hmm. And eventually... The businessman, his wife, their 10-year-old son, and the family's housekeeper were taken hostage in the middle of the day and then held hostage for 22 hours, which is where the title for our podcast comes from. Right. Tortured and killed, and then the house was set on fire. And nobody in D.C. knew this was happening until the firefighters arrived at the home the next day and found, found their bodies. So three years later, we covered this trial, and there was just so much we weren't able to report on a daily basis that came out of it so many details that we thought it was worth doing a podcast about. And I think you're absolutely right, you know, kind of that all of the, I mean, this brutality um, for money. And that was something that we struggled with all throughout the trial. I think that what we hope to kind of do with the podcast is, is to lay out what we learned at the trial, which made some things make sense, although we still have some questions. But I think really to understand the motive in the case, you would have to put yourselves in the mind of, 
of a killer, which we which we're going to try to do in the podcast, but who knows how successful we'll really be. Were you both in Washington D.C. in the in the spring of 2015? Yes, I, I actually was working here for WTOP, which is an all-news radio station in D.C., and I remember I was working another story, and we heard there was a big fire. And where this fire happened, this was you know, what many would consider a mansion. It was a $4 million house, not a few blocks away from the vice president's residence, right. a very like, upscale neighborhood of Washington, and really an area where crime doesn't happen. So this fire broke out, and I think a lot of people assumed it was like a chimney fire or something, because right. it was the middle of the day. And then we soon learned that, you know, it was it was much more than that. And uh, yeah, I started covering it that day and have covered it basically for four years. What was the impact of that story as it broke in the Washington, D.C. area? Well, I can tell you, um, you know, kind of from my perspective, I wasn't working at WTOP, WTOP at the time and I wasn't even working on local news. And I was riveted by this story just as a news consumer. I mean, this it it captivated and horrified the region and and nationally. I mean, this was national news um, for, for a while because um, I think it really kind of struck at that primal fear of being um, becoming a victim in your own home. Um, and, and also, I think one of the, one of the um, really horrifying aspects is the family, while they were being held, were making calls to, to business associates to arrange this money drop, even to family members. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of those things where I think every single person could put themselves in that situation and think, what would I do? How could I, you know, what could I possibly do to come out alive? Two daughters were not home, correct? Correct. Yeah. They had two teenage daughters who were at boarding school at the time. And actually, you know, it's just interesting nowadays when you're learning about investigations and how much cell phones play a part now, um, you know, as far as tracking people's locations and the GPS they use and the searches they do on their phone. But one of the sad details of this case is one of the daughters was texting with her dad that morning, you know, mm-hmm. just a normal asking him about, hey, is it okay if I go to a prom after party? Mm-hmm. I mean, a completely normal thing. And they were texting back and forth, and then she never got an answer to that question. It was, you and know, it, it, you just kind of, it, it just takes your breath away. We also talked to one, we got heard one of the daughters describe how she felt walking into the home, you know, her childhood home after the crime and just, looking around the house and seeing you know where she used to have memories and now it was just how are these how are these two bad. how are these two uh, daughters faring now well i think they're both faring as well as you can expect uh they both have jobs one of them is uh, either about to or has just gotten married um it, I, I always thought that's nice because you know you lose some of your family and at least you have a support system there we don't to be honest with you we didn't really try to reach out to the daughters. We were trying to respect their space. There's mm-hmm. so much about this case that that's interesting, and they have been through so much. Um, the family, for the most part, throughout the entire case, really really kept quiet. That was their way of, of dealing with the tragedy. And so we didn't necessarily, you know, we did the one reach out, and then after we were told, you know, we'd really rather not, we, we left the family alone. During the podcast, you hear what I'm considering to be the, the very haunting communications of the firefighters who make this discovery. It's uh, it's very eerie and haunting because obviously they're talking through masks and they're in a smoke-filled room, and the way they discover the bodies is uh, uh, you, Hollywood has not exceeded that. I, I think it's just uh, it was an extraordinary just to hear the voices of those firefighters. I agree. I, I mean, I feel like it gave me an entirely new respect, too, for the job they do. Uh, we heard Sergeant Michael Ader was one of the firefighters who found... Uh, three of the adults in one in, that were all in one bedroom, 
And he described, you know, you can't see anything. You can't see your hand in front of your face in a fire like that. The, no. the smoke was so thick that you're really just feeling. Yeah, wall way. to wall, right? And, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, he did this thing called a right-hand search where, he, you know, you keep your right hand kind of anchored on a wall and you just go the, all the way around the room's perimeter and try and reach what you can and see if you can find victims. Of course, he's probably assuming if he finds a victim, it will be someone overcome by smoke or right. someone he can still save. Right. And he gets there, and not to you know give it all away, but it is this moment where he was describing on the stand that I tried to lift this person, and they just kept slipping, and it just wasn't computing. You know, it, at the moment he was like, "What is going on? Why can't I get a good grip?" Mm-hmm. And later he finds out that he'd really just stumbled into a crime scene. There was blood everywhere. I mean, it's just horrible. But to hear his sort of perspective, moment by moment, as and and hear the calls he's making back, you know, to the commander outside, it, it's chilling. I have not had a chance to listen to all 10 episodes yet. I mean, it was launched this week. Uh, I want to take us back to this uh, Darren Wint. Uh, Could you uh, give me what you uh, think is the best knowledge you have of this evil bastard uh, who he tortured these people? And I I think to me, that's the great unanswered questions. What What was compelling this guy? I just want to tell you real quick, we also haven't heard all 10 episodes, but we have, because we haven't cut them yet. <laughs> we're, we, <laughs> we are, a, we're, we're a couple episodes in, and a lot of the reason, I, 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 I want to let Jack answer your question, but a lot of the reason is because we have so many calls out, and there's actually a, a civil um, opportunity in this case. We, we, we appealed to D.C. Superior Court to release um, the copies of audio that mm-hmm. they have of the testimony, and, and we've tried to make the case that's public record, and that mm-hmm. should be, you know, we FOIA'd it, and we've, we're trying to get it. So anyway, to answer your question, there, there's only one out because there's only one out right now, so that, that's the only one you can hear, but we're hoping to release 10 eventually over um, 10 weeks. But, but I'll let Jack answer your question about Darren Wint. But Jack, Darren, yeah, I mean, Darren takes the cake for bad guys, doesn't he? Well, I mean, certainly, I don't know, I don't know what he did, how, how anything could be worse, um, and that's one of the things... That, you know, so I'll start with some biographical details. He used to work for American Iron Works, the company that was run by Sava Savopoulos right. um, in the early 2000s. He worked there for about two years. He was fired for missing work, according to the company records, although there may have been something else that preceded his firing, but that was not part of the official company records and not really addressed at the trial. Um, and then he went on to work for other metalworking companies. He, he was a welder by trade, mm-hmm. um, which is a fairly skilled job. We ta- I talked to a former um, co-worker of his who, um, you know, he was just a regular guy, quiet. Um, and she said she worked with him for nearly, um, nearly 10 years, eight or nine years. But she said he always felt like the new guy. You know, they, the rest of the employees kind of got, she said they were like a family and he was always the new guy. Um, and by the, t- by the spring of 2015, Darren Wentz's life really seemed to be spiraling out of control. He, he didn't have a job at that point. He hadn't held a, fu- a full-time job for, for a few years. He was bouncing around, living with various family members, his brother, his sister, finally his dad, um, and his stepmother. And he was in his mid-30s, you know, so living with his, with his parents. Was he a native of, beginning of... Where's he a native of? Guyana? Yeah, native of Guyana, um, but he was here legally. Mm-hmm. On a, you know, he had a green card. It actually was part of the motivation too. Is, I, I mean, just saying, speaking to what Jack was saying. I mean, yeah, he had fallen on hard times, but he was a relative. I mean, as far as we can tell, the guy was engaged to be married. 
he, you know, went to the gym every day. He was taking care of his health. He was, you know, he had connection to his family. I mean, maybe he had some issues with his family, but just the idea that this could come out of nowhere, seemingly, there is not any evidence in, from his phone um, searches or from anything that he planned this, that he even looked up the address of the Savopolis home. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. And as we go through this podcast, Jack and I actually recorded our conversations, mostly because we wanted to make sure we spelled the names right and we were on the same page day to day when we were in the courtroom. I was in the courtroom and he was in the newsroom. So I'd call him and just be like, hey, you know, this is what happened today and describe some of the testimony. But on the tough days, it ended up that we had an, an audio diary, you know, of, of our reactions and what didn't make sense and what was coming out and just like, how could that happen, you know? So as we put this together, it really becomes our going through the crime and, and the the revealing details with the listener and how, you know, how could somebody do this? So yeah. that's, that's the question. Well, I know no price can be put on this tragedy, but what, what puzzles me is it's a measly 40 grand from a guy who was a multimillionaire. I, that, that really puzzles me. Uh, I, I, and plus I'm glad he was stupid enough to leave a pizza crust behind because that's how he was found, <laughs> a DNA on a pizza crust. That's just amazing yes, to me. Yes, sir, it's that's right. Just an amazing story. Uh, but part uh, one and two are out right now. Parts one part and two. Part one is out. Part, part two one. will be out on Monday. So. Okay. Do you hope to release one segment a week? That's our goal, yes. And um, we're hoping to do 10. But again, you know, if we hear from more people or if, you know, actually Darren Wint is appealing his conviction. If anything happens with that, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways this story can continue. So he was sentenced to four consecutive plans. He was he was sentenced to four consecutive life without release terms. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So he's gone. He's put away. What happened to the family's home? Is it was it did they knock it down? Did someone buy it and knock it down? So it was uh, initially sold uh, just a few months after the murders at a loss. And, um, you know, all the windows had been busted out by the firefighters. Those were still boarded up when it went up for sale. There was still crime scene tape on the front doors when it was when it went up for sale. And then um, about um, less than two years later, um, the the real estate company that bought the house uh, had it uh, demolished. So right right now on, on the corner of 32nd Street and Woodland Drive and Northwest D.C. at the top of the hill, um, there's just an empty lot. Isn't that something? And and the other uh, part we're going to learn, the other aspect of this family, is that they were a well-loved, respected family, very active in the area. Is that correct? Very active, very philanthropic. Um, Sava, it just seemed like no one had a bad word to say about them. And it's interesting when you have just a, a crime of this scale, the ripple effect, mm-hmm. you know, through Philip, that their ten-year-old was at a school nearby. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. All of his little, you know, friends had to had to hear about this and learn about such tragedy when they were so young. Um, the community they lived in, their church. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, we we heard wonderful things about them. That they they really love to give of themselves, their time. Um, one of the nice things we heard about Sava is uh, his his ten-year-old son was really into racing, racing cars. Right. Um, loved collecting Hot Wheels, and he was he was into cars. And so he, to support that, he hired a, um, a, a young guy who, who knew about driving to kind of teach Philip the way, you know, of how to get into the industry. And when that man lost his job, Sava actually hired him as, a, as his personal assistant, but learned that the reason he lost his job is because the guy asked for, you know, a little bit more, like a dollar more an hour mm-hmm. or something. So when Sava hired him, he hired him at that, at that dollar more an hour. Isn't that you so know, it's just little things like that that you hear about somebody just doing the right thing and, and acting, you know, like 
giving of himself. It just seems like they were a loving, wonderful family. And then it just seems so tough on such a horrible twist of fate that young Philip was sick that day and happened to be home when this moron broke in. I know. It's horrible. What did it do to the neighborhood? I would think it would have traumatized. You know, you're not you're not talking tracked housing here. This is right behind Embassy Row. These are these are solid old family homes and solid old homes. It had to be traumatizing to that neighborhood. I mean, definitely just shatters the idea of peace, of security. And one of the things that you know a lot of people wondered about was, didn't this house have a security system? You know, mm-hmm. and and it did, um, but they it was a relatively new system. And they were not all that vigilant about using it. And I think it just speaks to kind of this tragic um, sense of that they didn't see the worst in everyone, you know, that they were so trusting, that they were so, you know, that they really kind of lived their lives openly, you know, that that um, really left left them open to becoming a victim of something like this. Mm-hmm. And didn't they get to, did they make a call to another housekeeper and, and were able to keep her from showing up? They did, although it was funny because I think that, funny is not the right word, but she was about the only person they reached out to. And Mm -hmm. they they made a number of calls over these 22 hours, reaching out to the security company, Domino's Pizza, as you mentioned, the the pizza crust, Mm -hmm. um, to get an order of pizza, calling, you know, family members to get the the money. But it was this call to Nellie Gutierrez, who who had worked for the family for 20 years. She was the only person who heard it and thought, huh, that's odd. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she, she kind of noticed right away that something was different because she was not scheduled to come to the house on that day of the week. And she gets a call from Amy, who is the mother, saying, hey, Nellie, or a text rather, hey, Nellie, don't, don't come today. I just want to make sure you're not coming today. Mm-hmm. And she kind of thought, well, I mean, is she just busy and thinking it's another day? Or, you know, but I think it was one of those things, those gut instincts that now you look back on and, and it really, it haunts her. We interview her as part of the the podcast, and she really has had trouble moving on because she feels she was the only person who probably could have done anything. She was the mm. only person who knew, you know, the, the routine of the family, and that was off, and she should have said something, and I can't imagine being in her shoes. Well, it's uh, it's called 22 Hours, an American Nightmare, and it's a uh, it's, uh, uh, podcast one, or however you get your podcast, you'll be able to find this, and it's been done by Megan Clority and Jack Moore of WTOP. Uh, I'll be listening to it, that's for sure. It's a very well done. Very, The parts I've heard are very well done. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks for having us, or ha- thanks for us having you, or however that works. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be had. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's called, Thank you. It's, yeah, see you, Jack. It's called 22 Hours in American Nightmare. and uh, It gives you the chills. Well, when you start hearing the, the firefighter, firefighters, that, and when they're, they're basically saying, holy bleep, what did I just step on? Wow. It was a body. Well, how about the part where she said the firefighter thought, why, why, is, why does the body keep flipping? Because blood's slippery. Yeah. Blood is slippery. Yeah. In okay, my then. in my reading of this, make that positive. Yeah, you're bringing us oh, back. There's, there's nothing there. positive about it. Uh, I, I do think uh, that in the world of podcasting, uh, I, I am beginning to sense that there is a real uh, there's a real hunger in this country. I don't know if it's macabre or not for uh, true crime uh, podcasts. That they seem to be very popular, and uh, when they're done correctly, they're very informative and very mm-hmm. interesting, and these people at WTOP know how to do it correctly and informatively. Yep. Well, that's, they really are, it's, it's trending, these, these crime podcasts are 
Again, when you have the didn't this one sh- didn't release number one shoot right to iTunes? It went. Uh, it's number ten right now. Yeah. Which is incredible. Where's Garage Logic? Let's get up there. I think Let's it's go number here. eleven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, twenty-two hours. An American Nightmare. WTOP and Podcast One. You can find it on Apple iTunes as well. We'll be right back. Have you noticed the consolidation happening to commercial insurance agencies today? This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. The big just keep getting bigger, and you and your business continue to get passed around until you become a dreaded house account. You have been consolidated. All of this was done to you without your control. Get options and take control of your company's insurance program. Have the Canopy Group help you gain a commercial insurance strategy that makes your business more attractive to the insurance industry. The more insurance companies that we can get interested in your business, the more competitive your pricing will be. If your business is renewing in March, April, or May and is paying less than $80,000 in premium, don't accept being a house account. Get the attention you deserve with the Canopy Group. Visit thecanopygroup.com or call 800-967-3389, 800-967-3389, The Canopy Group. Hey folks, John Madden here, and you're listening to Garage Logic. I mean, the mayor, he's the guy that, that runs that thing. I mean, he's the guy that, that takes care of all that stuff the mayors do. Fireworks, uh, starting up stuff, cylinders, you know, he's, he's Joe Shustrak. I mean, the mayor! Uh-huh, I forgot to turn on the microphone. Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, there's our guy. Let's do it. What do you got? Boy, that's a collection of some really screwed up people. We're gonna, in trouble, bro. Yeah, I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna I, hell with positive Thursday. No. Beto O'Rourke rolls out LGBTQ plan that would force schools to allow boys onto girls sports teams. And I'm very that's very positive because I think that's a big big problem in this country. Sure. Not that we're $22 trillion in debt. This is an important, important... uh, uh, And it's a good thing that old Beto has unveiled a comprehensive plan aimed at helping the LGBTQRMPTQRMPPNNOWXY community. Within it, he endorses a law that would, in the name of equality, force public schools into allowing biological male athletes to compete against girls in team sports. Right? (sighs) It's O'Rourke's LGBTQ platform. It lays out a framework for granting special treatment to LGBTQ individuals through a laundry list of executive, legislative, and global initiatives in order to ensure full equality. The plan states the Equality Act must become law. The House of Representatives passed the Equality Act in May, according to, uh, among other things, the bill would force public schools uh, to uh, uh, have uh, athletic teams of, of females include biological males who identify as female. Okay. Ah. Daily or do you I mean do you have to declare is it like the is it like open or closed or in or out? Do you is it a no, daily they ide- thing? if they identify as transgender girls. You're I don't know if that there. means they do the swimsuit surgery or not. I, I really I seriously don't know. Got it. Several female athletes say the provision of the Equality Act actually makes things less equal for girls and women in sports. Tennis Hall of Famer Martina Navratilova, Olympic gold medalist Sonia Richard-Ross, and former track star Dorianne Coleman 
wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post in April pointing out that allowing biological men to compete athletically against women defeats the purpose of having separate competitions for male and female genders. Didn't we just have an NCAA uh, hurdle winner? Who, yes. Uh, uh, the We're reality, the reality is that putting male and female body athletes together uh, is co-ed or open sport. The women wrote, in an open sport, females lose. Navratilova, Richards, Ross, and Coleman argue that passing the Equality Act would effectively dismantle hard-fought equal rights for female athletes under Title IX. Well, they're right, uh, but you know, old, but we got Beto here to, to to step in there on his white horse and and save the day. What a moron this guy is! That this is this this is a platform. In addition to endorsing passage of the Equality Act, O'Rourke's comprehensive LGBTQ plan would allow migrants seeking asylum to qualify as a vulnerable population if they are gay. So now we'll just have a new wave of illegals come in and say, hey, it's okay, Beto said it's okay, I'm gay. The former lawmaker Beto would also create a special envoy for the human rights of LGBTQ plus people within the Department of State. Okay. Okay, this is what gets Trump elected. And I'm being serious here. I, we have to go off script for Positive Thursday. Okay. Because uh, I've, reached, I've reached my limit of patience with Trump. Uh, I find it unacceptable and unpatriotic that he said, yeah, I might accept dirt from another country on a potential Democratic rival. I can't take that. That's unacceptable. Can he be that stupid? That's tantamount to creating a quid pro quo. That's tantamount to uh, him making an arrangement or accepting this help from a foreign entity, thus threatening our sovereignty, because that foreign aid, that foreign help is then going to want something in return. No, this is our country. You ought to have the moral and ethical clarity to understand that you're violating patriotism by saying, I'm open to anything anybody wants to tell me. If Russia wants to call up and tell me about Biden, I'm going to take the info. Bleep you, Trump. No, you're not. Now, we're screwed. I used to think the peace I had made with Trump was a pretty thin one. But the peace I had made, when you look at this lineup of screwballs that are running to challenge him, (laughs) Beto O'Rourke, give me a break. Uh, I thought the piece I made was Trump can do less damage to this country than these socialist Marxists. Trump can do less damage to this country than that fruitcake city councilwoman in Denver you just played me the tape of. Mm-hmm. No, Trump will damage the country with this kind of attitude. So what do we need? We need a we need a new person. We need we need some we need a GL to run for president. We need someone who loves this country and loves what it stands for, and does not want to dismantle it. I joked about this before the show. John Stewart, I wouldn't be shocked if after what happened in, with Congress the other day, if he decided to run. I, I don't know, but he would be running as a leftist. Well, sure. We need, you know, we, well, we need another Ronald Reagan. We need another JFK. We need, we need, we need a human, I don't care if it's man or woman. We need someone who understands that the United States is a precious gift that's been given to us. It's been, it, 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 the founders were brilliant. It pains me to see it dismantled, and it pains me to see a sitting president say, uh, I'm going to take the information I'll from take a foreign some dirt. country. Yeah. No, no, you can't. You can't. It's not, it's That's, beneath you know the that, office. Well, it, you know what? It makes you, it makes you not a guy. You're not a guy. Right. Man. What is, I mean, think. Think about, like you said. Apparently he was, uh, apparently Trump was, what, getting interviewed by George Stephanopoulos? 
And he said he might accept dirt from another country on his potential Democratic rivals if offered, raising new questions and concerns about foreign influence on American elections. It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it, Trump said. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI if I thought there was something wrong. Th- that, that makes no sense. What do you mean if there's something wrong? It's wrong that you would take the information. Right. Right. And it's just, it's not a game. Listen, there's always been spying. But this is this is more of a uh, a for sale sign. Hey, I'm yeah. willing to yep. give me what you got, please. I I'm a man without it. I'm I guess I'm joining height. I don't have I don't have I don't have a guy or a gal. I don't have a guy or a gal. It really is a shame to see what's happening. It re- it really really is. It's disheartening. I'm trying to think of an analogy. It, it's uh, I can't come up with one. But it's become a game of you have to pick. The, and the I'm going to hear. I'm going to. Can you imagine how now I'm going to hear that what a what a more a bad guy I am because I've taken this position on Trump? Of course, the emails will be overwhelming, calling me all sorts of things, which is fine. You've always I, been a lefty. I'm drawing the line. You don't get to be in cahoots with a foreign entity because then you are uh, you are creating a situation in which you must owe them something. Yeah, I don't want us really to depressing. owe them anything. <laughs> what a guy would do is say, uh, I talk at- tough about the U.S. of A. and not pussyfoot around like that. I'll beat him on my own. I don't need any help from anybody. This is the American way. Uh, does he not like the job? Is he bored or he obviously does not have no, any he wants, decorum? He wa- oh, he, he, he intends. So, so we're we're in a real predicament here. These these better O'Rourke's of the world are laughably they're they're comically inept they're comically inept they've never accomplished anything right and then you got this guy who doesn't think it violates any moral or ethical clarity or any statute or any form of patriotism to say look uh, if I get a call you know if I like the info I probably use it no you idiot you ju- you just set up a situation where you then owe those people something. Right. What, what if it's Iran that uh, g- gives you stuff on Biden you can't possibly resist using? What the hell do you think Iran will want from you? <laughs> but even what does that even mean? I don't know. What if Hungary says, yeah, we got something on Biden, we got something on uh, AOC? Or Death what? to Tribeca. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, well, I know what I would tell them if I was president. Blow go, it out your ass. Right. I don't want to hear about it. Go, go away. Go away. Do you think because we, we've mentioned this before, but do you think because of how divided we have become in this country, we will eventually see the rise of the independent party? I have no idea. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. But we need a knight in shining armor. I don't care what color, what gender. Uh, we need we need someone who wants to protect this country. We're really off track. We're really off track. The center's not holding. Round and round the winding gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falcon. Salching towards Bethlehem. Quit looking at the baseball game, you moron. It's still 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh-huh. They had bases loaded. Uh, no, I... I and my, my theory on, on what... I can't ha- take this anymore. I can't, I can't accept this. Much of what Trump's done... Uh, uh, you know, I live in a house terribly divided. Yeah. Terribly divided. And I got to hear about this BS every single day. It's driving me crazy. But... And you get no, there's no traction trying to point out to an anti-Trumper 
that, you know, there's, he's done some positive things. He's done some positive things. I'm done. I'm done. This is not positive. This is, this is telling me that this guy is ruthlessly, ruthlessly self-important. Ruthlessly. He's, he's joining her side, uh, folks. Not joining any side. There's oh, nobody there goes again. There's nobody to join. There's nobody to join. Well, my theory on him certainly was blown out of the water. Remember, it, ha- it has to be. It I, has to I be. thought he would surround himself by people that would keep him in check, and then he would understand the the how the office is to be held, and, but, and that's and that the, has not been the case. And the problem is the people that are attempting to hold him in check, he fires. Right. He, he right. claim he claims information offered by a foreign government is the equivalent to opposition research. That's traditional in American political campaigns. However, such information does not typically come from foreign powers that may be seeking to impact the election results and sow discord. Trump's own hand-picked FBI director, Christopher Wray, has said the FBI should be informed of such gestures. And, and this is where Trump told Stephanopoulos, I don't see any need to tell the FBI. I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of things in my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI in my whole life. You don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office. You do whatever you do, Trump said. Oh, give me a break. Life doesn't work that way. Trump also said he might accept information and call the FBI. But the president was clear he disagreed with comments Ray made to Congress just last month that if any public official or member of any campaign is contacted by any nation state or anyone acting on behalf of a nation state about influencing or interfering with our election, that that is something the FBI would want to know about. And then Trump says, well, the FBI director is wrong because, frankly, it doesn't happen like that in life, Trump said. No. Now maybe it will start happening. Maybe today you'll think differently. I don't know what the hell he's Nope. No. Nope. I want I want my president to put the United States in the interests of the United States. I want I want those hold uh, cl- I want those interests held close. Uh I don't want to get I don't want to get into a situation. Uh <laughs> What if he gets a lot of info from Kim? Oh. Who just killed one of his generals by throwing him in a piranha tank. Yeah. Nice country point. so poor they couldn't even shoot the guy. <laughs> we want to save money on bullets. <laughs> they threw him in a piranha tank. I'm not making that up. Oh. Uh, that that's, really puts a damper on Positive Thursday. But yeah. th- this cannot go unspoken about. This cannot go unsaid. This is not acceptable. And he's not going to change. I mean, this is a long way from his his tawdry behavior uh, to women and. You know, you learn you learn to overlook a lot. I can't overlook this. You can't overlook this. Well, because it's only going to get worse. He's not. Uh, I, you I, imagine I my you him. imagine my hero Winston Churchill saying, "You know, I I'll take some stuff I get from the Germans if I think it'll help me." Are you kidding me? <laughs> Churchill would have walked over there and or drove a tank over there and blew him out of the water. Oh, and man. I don't think. A result of this is going to change anybody's opinion one way or the other. The voting public I'm talking about. Now. Well, it'll be anxious to see, because uh, my, my contention to uh, GLers, uh, and I respect that GLers, many GLers are, are uh, Trump fans, and that's, that's fine with me. Uh, but what I'll be anxious to see is, how are you going to defend this? This is indefensible in well, my estimation. No, what will happen is they'll find something that Obama said to a foreign diplomat years ago. That's always the comeback. Or Hillary, or well, whatever. For me, this is indefensible. Oh. I agree. I've hit the I've hit the wall. I used to think, okay, Trump's a creep, but he's my creep, and he can do less damage to this country than any of these four hundred Marxists running for office. 
I don't. I no longer think that because that does damage to the country. If you're going to align yourself with foreign powers and foreign nation states and allow them to steer you and give you talking points and give you inside dope about a political appointment, you've just you've just blown up the sovereignty of this country. Howard uh, Clary's writes, here is the yeah. list of those who were missing from the dais uh, when John Stewart laid into them. From the New York Post. The oh, subcommittee yeah. members who were missing in action when Stewart and Alvarez spoke include Democratic Representatives Eric Swalwell of California. He's one of the Marxists running for president. Madeline Dean of Pennsylvania and Sylvia Garcia, Veronica Escobar, and Sheila, Sheila Jackson, all of Texas. The Republican members who were missing during the testimony were Louis Gohmert of Texas, Jim Jordan of Ohio, Guy Rushenthaler of Pennsylvania, Ben Klein of Virginia, and Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota. Howard writes, I'm especially irritated about Kelly Armstrong. He is a freshman congressman from my home state of North Dakota. As a new guy, he has no business skipping school. He still has to prove himself. I don't know about you, but when I skip work, I get fired. Best, Howard Clary's. Well, you're Howard. You couldn't state it any better than that. Why Why were they allowed to be, not to be they, president? They, why is Amy Klobuchar allowed to never be yeah, in the you're, Senate? You're right. Running around on your dime, running, running for president. For pres, man. It's, that's, all of them. Not just Amy. All of them. Eating soup with a comb. You know how close we are to this election, right? Or salad. Pretty darn close. Oh, it's pathetic. It, it's 16 pathetic. months away? What that's is pathetic. it? pathetic. In the meantime, the deficit goes up and the debt keeps building. And, and spending increases. Positive Thursday. This is a hell of a positive <laughs> Thursday. In the meantime, the people in Rome are fiddling while the... Stoking the, the only fire. That, the only thing I can think of that's positive <laughs> is the weather's warming and cabin season is upon us yeah. and the swimming season at the lake is upon us. I want you to get a hold of Aquaside because they'll keep your beachfront weed and algae free. They've been doing so for more than 60 years. Aquaside products are easy to use and begin working immediately. They're registered with both the EPA and DNR and our own lake detective has tipped his hat to these products because they're safe for your family, the water, and the fish. Don't let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside today. They'll identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all season long. And let's face it, it's a short swimming season. You know, the old saying about Minnesota is uh, four weeks of, what, bad shoveling? Or four weeks of no shoveling? I don't remember what the saying right. is. but six it, weeks of yeah, whatever. construction. You can order online. They normally ship the same day. Aqua Clear pellets are another great option to strip the dead weeds from the area. Aqua Clear pellets will get the muck out, too. No permit required. Call Aquaside at 1 800 328 9350. That's 1 800 328 9350. Or go to aquaside.com. It's the rookie here for Thomas Liquors in St. Paul, right in the heart of Mac Groveland. And they have been my liquor store for a long, long time. And they're not just a liquor store where you go pick up a six-pack and everything's good to go. They are a premier wine shop. In fact, I want to remind you right now that the wine sale is in full force. And last time, let's see, I was at Thomas Liquor. I went over there, and I was looking for something specific. Tattersall Bootlegger. And they had four bottles, 
Uh, I bought three because we were going to try a new drink at home. And you know what? That's just it. They're always, if something is a hip or if something is the latest trend, they have it. Wine, they're always good on wine. In fact, i got to tell you, their wine sale is going on right now through June 30th. It's 20% off of all wine. And when you go up there and whatever you buy, whether it's a tatters all bootlegger, make sure you keep save a bottle for me. I want you to tell them the rookie sent me. You'll get a free bottle of wine with that purchase. You hear me? Tell them the rookie sent you and get a free bottle of wine with what? the purchase. Yes. They're known for their huge wine selection, over 2,000 to choose from. They know their stuff. And I want to tell you that that they're kind of the cheers kind of place where everybody knows your name, especially like, well, you haven't been in here for a while, Rook. Uh, yeah, I hate when they tell me that. But I want you to try. If you're going to go and – Present maybe for a graduation present, maybe a wedding present, a bottle of wine, and you know absolutely nothing. They are the wine experts. So check them out online, thomasliquors.com. Tell them that the rookie sent you and get a free bottle of wine. A St. Paul institution for over 100 years, not just a liquor store, it's an experience. Thomas Liquors, tell them the rook sent you, thomasliquors.com. Don't miss MSRE's Back in the 50s weekend with 12,000 cool cars at the State Fairgrounds, June 21st through the 23rd. Meet Dave Kendig and Justin Nichols. Discount tickets at Napa Auto Parts. Show details at MSRA.com. Truth, Justice, and the Suture. All right, Reavers. Challenge me. Oh, yeah. My turn. I don't know if my heart's in it. He's hot dogging it. He's got about three challenge wins. Challenge me. I will have to give uh, full credit. Uh, Alan is the one who originally sent us this story. Uh-huh. But after reading it, I, I don't really know how you're going. Based upon your mood, not only today, but this week, mm-hmm. how you're going to be able to spin this. This comes to us from a website called townhall.com. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let me pull this up here. Here we go. They're wrong about everything. This applies to wider liberal media, but it especially applies to the environmental left that has been preaching doomsday since Earth Day was created. The appalling condensation condescension, condescension from this crew, despite peddling straight trash for years, is, is exceedingly Slow entertaining. Down. Slow down so we can understand you through your horrible nasal <laughs> drip. Okay. Let me just cut to the chase here. That's right. not very positive, Joe. Slowly, though. You know, there's no racing That's here. true. It's a podcast. That's right. Glacier National Park mm-hmm. quietly removed a sign at its visitor center saying the glaciers will disappear by 2020. Oh, that's which next were, year, isn't it? Which were originally placed because former President Obama believed the predictions pushed by the left's climate change hypothesis. According <clears throat> to federal officials... Several years in a row of high snowfall and cold temperatures obliterated a computer model that authorities relied on to claim that the glaciers would all be melted by 2020. Despite uh, reality making a joke of the former computer model that made such a foolish forecast, the signs still hold to the global warming theme. The segment that once said the glaciers would for sure be gone by 2020 now reads, quote, when they completely disappear, however, will depend on how and when we act. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the USGS still insists the overall picture remains the same, however, and that picture is that the glaciers all continue to retreat. Huh. Well, I, this is easy. Really? Oh, yeah. This just becomes the latest <laughs> of uh, predictions 
that will not come true. Not one single hysterical claim of calamity has come true since 1970 when this ridiculous thing called Earth Day was founded. Not one (laughs) single, not one. And this just joins another. So that's your spin. Yeah. It's not much of one, but... I, I told that you was very, very positive, Joe. Thank you. I, I uh, is that Cheryl? That is Cheryl. Yes. I, Joan. Yes. Hello. Hi. My name is Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. I have been hired to be the official positive Thursday regulation robot. Uh huh. You are an iconic figure in American journalism. <laughs> hey, don't kiss up uh, here. No, you don't have to say that, Cheryl. Joe. What? It is not easy being the mayor, no, is it? No, it is not. It is not. I told you earlier this week, you guys. I, I I don't know how much more of this. What you You're saying? witnessing mass delusion. You're witnessing mass delusion when it comes to this stuff. Well, we when mentioned to the, the, earlier in the show, we mentioned uh, how off track we are regarding President Trump. What? There's going See, to be See, that's what I something. do like about him. He doesn't buy this BS. Okay. There's, <laughs> oh. well, there's a positive. Yeah. But what, what, there's going to be an event or... Something that gets us back on track because uh, the the AOCs and this uh, gal from the, the Denver City Council, they're going to be so far gone that people are going to go, not going to do it. This is, the buck stops here. And I don't know what event that's going to be. You need a guy or a gal. But don't the people that actually believe this or the, 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 the LGBTQ community with Beto O'Rourke, yeah. don't they realize that they're just simply being pandered to? You would think so. Well, I, that's think the of, only reason that the, the the goofballs like Beto are even bringing this crap up. You think know, Martina Navratilova, who has a better voice in this than I do because she is a lesbian, is saying, you're not doing us any favors here with this BS. She this got my, ridiculed. Yeah. yeah. This is my point. How many uh, gay or lesbian people do you know that are 100% politically normal? They're not... So far, oh, we need. A, yes, they want to be treated well. I but do. I do know a couple. They're very well behaved, I do and they're know not a these. That has nothing to do with behavior. No, no, but I'm saying they're not these these crazy people shouting for all of this attention, and these they just want to live their lives. I'm thinking of two guys right now that uh, that are doing that, and they're friends of mine, and and uh, we work we work with a guy, and being gay yes. has nothing to do with the fact that they're still GLers. That's what I'm saying. The, the majority. Is like that, and so we don't need the O'Rourke's to come out and say we. I really need to give you these special treatments. Pay your taxes and uh, live life to the fullest. Boom. Globally, we are ingesting in an average of five grams of plastic every week, the equivalent of a credit card. This is a new hysteria. Oh, okay. Huh. We're eating a credit card a week. Is that good for us? Well, not really. Okay. Right. The plastic contamination comes from microplastics, particles smaller than five millimeters, which are making their way into our food, drinking water, and even the air. The good news for me is I don't have a debit card, so I, <laughs> I don't have any plastic on me. Maybe the chip is the chip bad for you too. Maybe if you got the chip. Around there, the world, people ingest an average of around two thousand microplastic particles a week, according to a study by the University of Newcastle in Australia. And these tiny particles can originate from a variety of sources, including artificial clothes fibers, microbeads found in toothpaste, or bigger pieces of plastic, which gradually break into smaller pieces when they are thrown away and exposed to the elements. You don't, you don't know how stupid I feel. Why? I'm so committed to doing what I can. I don't want any whale or dolphin 
to choke to death on my watch. It's tough to argue with. And so every day, I like today, uh, I had to open a new bag of uh, coffee filters. Mm-hmm. Well, the old Joe would have just tossed the plastic wrapper that the coffee filters came in. What the Rain Man Joe do? Had to, you ready? Definitely, definitely, definitely plastic. <laughs> definitely, definitely, no, no plastic, a circular no, bowl. No, I take it down on my scooter. I raise the seat. You're messed up. I put it in the scooter, and about every 10 days, I make the run to Lund's, which has a bin in the store that says, we will recycle that plastic. I'm afraid to ask them. I've seen them empty the bin, by the way. I, I was going to say, I'm afraid. <laughs> I haven't, really. I, I, I have not, really. I'm afraid <laughs> to find out that they're just, you know, a little virtue signaling of their own there. Right. And that, yes. you know, in the green box, Pete's please. rubbish trucks in the back taking this stuff. <laughs> and here I am, this delusional fool, motoring down there uh, and then popping this seat and hauling in another plastic bag gang for you and... and uh, I'm waiting for a staff member at Lund's and Highland to say to you, you're really the only one that puts stuff in there. Oh, you no, that, the right? bin is full. The bin is time. full? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to go to that extent. I am. They, they no whale it. is dying because of me. Or even better, they, there's an employee that brings it to the back, and they just burn them. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them in the incinerator. Suchi came by again. <laughs> Microplastics have been found in food and drinks such as water, beer, shellfish, salt. Beer? Yeah. It's clear that the issue of microplastics is a global one. Even if the countries clean up their backyard, it doesn't mean they will be safe from microplastic particles could be entering from other sources. The largest source of plastic ingestion is drinking water. Hmm. Hmm. Really? The research was commissioned by the World Wildlife Fund for its report, No Plastic in Nature, Assessing Plastic Ingestion from Nature to People. Well, I'm, 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 I'm on board. I, I'm not going to allow the, – the guy brings the papers every day in a plastic bag. Yep. That's the general source of the load that I end up taking down to the grocery store. Are those sleeves of plastic – those plastic sleeves right, the right. papers come in. I, uh, I'm i just not willing to go that extra mile. And I don't think I want there's, you a, to. I want I you to think there's a whale that's going to be sucking on a Target bag. Yeah, could Straws, six-pack uh, – you know what? I do, I do cut those. If there's a six-pack, the plastic ring, the yeah. figure eights, I do cut those. Where do you even buy those anymore? Because beer doesn't come. Uh, usually a lot of craft pops. beers are still in the plastic no. rings. Yes, I just bought one four-pack the other day. Where'd you go? And it's heavy plastic. Oh, no, Rook's talking about the old the rings, not not the, the plastic top. You're talking about the actual rings. I'm talking about the rings that would hold together yeah, a six-pack beer. Yeah, the white clear rings. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You got to get rid of those. That you that'd choke a dolphin. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't want to choke. Yeah, no right. I thought, well, that's the reason I cut mine up. That, you don't want to choke no that turtles. I'm guilted into. Well, I hope I'm guilting you into the plastic. I'm not. I, I, I we save plastic bags. IKEA sells a bin where you just shove the plastic bags, and whenever we need one, we grab one. Like an old Target bag? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. You mean to tell me. Lay it down, bro. You mean to tell me that you have a specific device in which you keep the plastic bags? Above the recycling bin, there is a, a, a cone-like. What was wrong with a grocery bag? What do you mean? What You had to go to Ikea to buy a piece of furniture, essentially, yeah. that holds plastic bags. Well, it looks better. It looks better rather than a frumpy old uh, Lund's Brown paper bag. Well, some plastic bags I use to line uh, the the wastebaskets in a bathroom. 
Yeah, you that's what I use yes, it for. Yeah, yeah. I agreed. That's recycling. You call you're, me you're now. Repurposing. This, how did we get what off? What do you do, I, folks? What? How do you do it on your own? What, what, what do you got? What the hell just happened here? <laughs> I don't know. Give us an email. You know what? It's like a version of the table talk with Rookie's family. Those are the kinds of things we discuss. Yeah. New, new, uh, new version out last Monday, so I'll have another one for you out on Monday. And it is a real podcast. I invite you to listen to You that. know why people ride motorcycles? Seriously? Because it's fun. Not only that, but it, it clears your mind. It yeah. clears your mind. Just it's keep an, your mouth it's closed. It's an exercise in silence and clearing your mind and paying attention. Uh, a lot of people ride with the help of DennisKirk.com because they have 160,000 products for you and your bike. They're okay. located in Minnesota. There's no better retailer. It's the best selection, guaranteed best prices, fast same-day shipping, satisfaction guarantee. They're the best. DennisKirk.com. Is this the place where you get the uh, the free shipping if it's over? If it's 80, uh, uh, $89 order, ship free, and if you order by 8 o'clock tonight, you get it tomorrow. Bam. $89 order, ship free, and they pay return shipping. On helmet and apparel items. So you bring home that big Martian green motorcycle jacket, yep. and you get the uh, female fun limitation factor. Yeah. Yeah, you put it it's back in back. the box. They'll pay for that, that is to actually, go back. It's a great feature. My brother had to do that with a snowmobile or with a motorcycle helmet. Mm-hmm. I hope with DennisKirk.com. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. DennisKirk.com, they're, uh, they're the best in the business. As I say, they'll pay the return shipping. And order by 8 o'clock today. You'll get it tomorrow, which is Friday. Then your ride will be ready for the weekend riding Season. Boom. It's officially cigar season here in Minnesota. Whether you're fishing, golfing, sitting around the fire, or just hanging out in the garage, there's nothing like a good cigar. And Sodi's Cigar and Pipe in Stillwater is the place to get them. Go to Sodi's to buy your cigars, and it's more than just a purchase. It's an experience. It's a beautiful shop with a huge humidor stocked with a wide variety of cigars. But the best part is the smoking lounge. It's separated from the purchasing area and has a state-of-the-art ventilation system. So you can go in, smoke a cigar, and walk out without carrying the smell with you. The guys at Sodi's Cigar and Pipe have the knowledge to pick out exactly what's right for you. Looking for a great Father's Day gift for Dad? Check out the Father's Day weekend specials. Buy four, get one free on all my father's cigars. 20% off purchases of any box, any brand. Plus special gift included with a purchase of any box. Located right off of Highway 36 on Osgood Avenue in Stillwater. It's the last light before you head over the bridge. Hang a right on Osgood, and you'll see Sodi's Cigar and Pipe immediately on your right. Also find them at Sodi'sCigars.com. Firearm aficionados, remember this name, DKMags.com. It's Kenny here, and DKMags.com is the only gun shop I go to in the Twin Cities. DK Mags is located in New Brighton. They have a full selection of everything and a website that's absolutely amazing and an excellent gunsmith. But it's the friendly customer service and vast knowledge without all the attitude that really hooked me. It really doesn't matter if you're a lady looking for your first firearm or just a fella looking for a new toy or information. You will leave DK Mags happy and satisfied. Try out my favorite gun shop, DKMags.com. Father's Day approaching fast. Knack Hardware and Lounge wants to make it easy for you to shop for Dad this year. That's why we're having a Father's Day sale. We've got great gift items for the masculine GLer in your family, like hotshot golf bags. Just your average golf bag to the average ranger, but it can hold 12 of his favorite domestic or imported beers. Fully insulated, it's guaranteed to keep them cold for 36 holes 
calls or your money back. Dad will forget the fact that he's got a brand new golf bag, but he'll just be happy he won't have to pay for lukewarm, overpriced golf cart beers anymore. Get to Knack Hardware and Lounge before Sunday to take advantage of this great offer. Knack Hardware and Lounge, located right next to the Monday Night Sports Talk Commemorative Coin Company on Rookie Way in Garage Logic. And remember, women of Garage Logic, on Sunday, you can call him Daddy. Thank you, Holly. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. Well, the other thing you might want to do for Father's Day is get up to Grunhofer's in Hugo, load up on the grilling materials, whether it be uh, chicken brats or the 130 flavors of uh, pork brats that must be grilled, not boiled. Also, many uh, also delicious Swedish potato sausage, chicken and beef kebabs, fully cooked ring sausage, kielbasa, andouille, ring bologna. Blood sausage and country sausage. The rookie burger is still uh, featured. How about the ribeye burger made with all ribeye steak? The pastrami. I got to check. I was just at Cecil's yesterday in Highland. Yep. And I got some. I'm going to put their pastrami up against Spencer's. And Spencer's. I bet, that's pastrami made in house. That's that's what I have to. I have to taste that. Beef briskets and beef tri-tip roasts. It's the place where GLers have been meeting each other. It's the north end of Hugo. Just off Highway 61. It's oh. on Highway 61. Load uh, up. Bacon, ham, steaks, every kind of, it's the meat capital of the world. Those are just some of the best meals. Bacon, ham, yep. steak, brats. Let's go. And uh, you guys like the jerky, Spence? too. A huge yes, variety of jerky. Huge variety of jerky. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meat Market.com. You know right the jerky? on the north end of Hugo. Lay in a nice supply for the lake. Heading mm-hmm. up to the cabin. Mm-hmm. That's a great snack. See, I can end on a positive note, not that uh, going to Spencer's is not positive. That's right. always a positive. Hey, we got a guy making a run today. Oh, that's right. Justin and the guys in the shop are yeah, doing Yeah, they're that. making a run up to Grunhofer's today. Did they stop by here yet? Uh, I have some good news, though, to conclude. What? I told him to build, Joe. Good. All right. Good. Only two hours a week is what you needed for health and well-being uh, in nature. You need a two-hour-a-week dose of nature. You know what's positive about that? Everyone can find two hours to be with Mother Nature. Sure. Huh? Spending at least two hours a week in nature is a crucial threshold for promoting health and well-being. Research by the University of Exeter, published in scientific reports and funded by the National Institutes of Health, found that people who spend at least 120 minutes in nature a week are significantly more likely to report good health and higher psychological well-being than those who don't visit nature at all. That is what I am discussing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They checked out 20,000 people in England and those who hung out in nature were uh, happier than those who did not. Wow. I, I buy that. That makes sense to me. I think so. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, nature's good, I think. Well, the, I, and I yes, think I you do. can't get enough nature. Nature's always good. What'd you just I'd, check I'd off? Like, I'd like What'd more you than, check off there? Grunt. Get, I'd like more than... Uh, <laughs> here, just some uh, I'm a creature of habit. habit. Yeah, 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 you I, are. Yeah. You are. Yeah. Joe, that is what I am talking about. Thank okay, you, sir. Thanks, Frank. Yes, that, uh, that's it. I keep thinking this is Friday, but it's not. So we'll be back tomorrow. You know what? I'm going to, uh, let's Friday this. Let's Friday this Thursday. Really? Yep, I think we're going to Friday this Thursday. You can't be in party mode already. I'm going to stop by Thomas Liquor, and I'm going to pick up some Tatters All Bootlegger, which is fabulous, if you can find it on the shelves. And I think I'm hitting the backyard. Tatters All makes a a good product. Yeah. And hopefully my family doesn't say, uh, you know, maybe at about 8 o'clock at night when it's getting dusk, 
Just just leave him in the hammock. He'll be fine. Put him out there. Let him get eaten by gnats. Yes. Just leave him out there. Don't worry. He'll uh, he'll eventually come in. I'm going to the Nat Hardware Lounge and watch the U.S. Open. Ooh, okay. Well, if you don't have anywhere to go and you go to garagelogic.com, catch up on all of your podcasts that you have missed and see Greg Holcomb's brand new cartoon. It's fabulous. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. And if you're a sponsor, we got big ears. Catch you next, well, at least Reavers does. Catch you next time, Garage Logic podcast version.